Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Everyone's, everyone say five-fold ministry. Five-fold. Also known as the charismatic ministries, but this is the five ministries of the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that is us. Everyone say, that's us. Till we all come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Until we're all perfect in Christ Jesus, is what that says. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind. Everyone say wind. Of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. There are some folks out there that are interested in deceiving people. But it says we have to understand the winds that blow. Someone said amen. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body is joined together or fitly, perfectly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. What? (laughs) it means that everything works together perfectly joined together for the working of what it does in the measure and its measure to do its part in the body to edify in that we do it and it's done in love so and that's what it's important for us to understand is that there is winds that blow and i want to take that from that first number 14 that we henceforth be no more children everyone say children everyone say toss to and fro Carried about with every wind of doctrine. Say that. Amen. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 and let's figure out why that's changed. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, it said, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with all they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Everyone say wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to know that there are winds blowing in the world today. Amen? But there is a wind that blew on the day of Pentecost that's supposed to keep us stable and keep us directed and keep us guided regardless of all the other winds that blow. And I wanted to speak to you for a little while about the necessity, a very strong necessity in each one of our lives of mastering the winds, mastering the winds that blow. And would you pray with me? Jesus, give us strong directive today, Lord God. Let our hearts be open to the surgery of your spirit and let us continue, Lord Jesus, to push, Lord God, toward the things that you call us to do. Everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen, amen, amen. Isn't it great to have technology? How many love your technology? 
You enjoy your phones, you enjoy your internet, whatever you have for technology, it's great. But there's an interesting thing about the church of the living God, and that is that no matter how much technology we use, no matter how much emphasis we put on great media or great um, uh, pictures or slides or anything like that, no matter how awesome we are at presenting ourselves to the world in, in any kind of technological fashion, if I was to right now text everyone in here, which you can do, it's kind of interesting, I could just send a text and send you all the notes from this sermon right now because you're sitting in this room. There's interesting stuff coming out with all kinds of technology. And so as I'm on the front edge of some of this stuff and I get to see what they're doing with some of this stuff, I am blown away where technology is going. But I want you to know that even though technology can help the church, the church was never be, the church was never meant, if you excuse my mess up there, the church was never meant to be driven by technology. Amen? It was never meant to be driven by the charismatic uh, personality of one person in a pulpit. It was never meant to be driven by systems and by the ability to organize and flow people through certain structures. It was never meant to be driven by those things. The church of the living God, which is us, has always been and always will be designed, no matter how great things become in our world, and no matter how advanced we get, there will still be a need for the church of the living God to be powered by the wind. Someone said amen. So before we get too far into this sermon, I have to tell you that there are a lot of winds blowing in our day. And if you are not a, a mature Christian, which is it really kind of seems like a, a, a cut to somebody in the room, but it's, it's not. It's, it's the, the preacher telling us in Ephesians that it's children, it's those that haven't matured themselves. You have to be vigilant, and you have to be mindful, and you have to understand that the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he's after you and he's after me. The, the scripture tells us that, that Jesus told one of his disciples that the devil is seeking to sift you. He wants to sift you like wheat. He wants to shake you and to destroy you. And I want you to know that there is no possibility for you to live through life without being battered by the winds of life. There's no possibility for you getting through life without troubles, traumas, and difficulties. It just is life. The winds blow, the storms come. There's only one place where you'll find no problems, and that's under a headstone, brothers and sisters, and a grave somewhere. You will be nice and comfortable there, but while you live life, and while you go day to day, and while you struggle to get by and do what you feel God has given you to do, I want you to know that you're not not just going to have an opportunity to live with the God of all creation in your life, powering your sails, but there will be things that beat against your boat, and there will be trouble that comes to knock you down and knock you off course, and the distractions can destroy dreams, and I want you to know today as I stand in this congregation under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, I ask you to make a priority in your life. Be extra careful. Make sure you're calling an election is sure. Make sure that what is guiding your life is the winds of Pentecost. That what we read when the Holy Ghost fell upon them, there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. And God knows that there was a reason for that because we have many storms, many trials, and many struggles, but you can still move the direction God wants you to move, even when storms are contrary to your life. I'm 
very interested in the power of the wind. And I drove back from St. Louis and there are just dotted across the landscape red lights flashing at night. And all of those, because I had driven down, were these huge windmills. You've seen them. They're about a million dollars a windmill. They're, they're spires that just... Whoo, and it looks like they're they're small from the distance, but when you get up on them, they're more than a, a truck more than a truck trailer long. They, it takes a special a special truck trailer with separate parts just to move them across country. And one of the largest distributors of those is Siemens Energy. And I looked at the national um, the the Department of Energy's report on what it costs them to put all of those up all across the nation. They've subsidized it, and it's millions upon millions of dollars all. Just just to harness the wind, all just to get a hold of what is already there and use it to develop energy. And I want you to know that we who are in the church of God have been so blessed that the wind has already blown. And when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit moving just like it moved here earlier, it talks about it like it's the wind that blows through our life. It's a, it's a, it's a wind that actually gives us a revitalization and a refreshing. It's interesting how the Bible references the Holy Spirit as a wind because we who work in in the church of the living God and work in our lives trying to be good Christians. It's not easy. I know a world that's dark has, not, has no experience and has sometimes even no appreciation for those carrying the lantern of the gospel. I understand that, but I want to tell you that it is much more difficult for us to live for God in this day and age had it not been for the wind driving us in our life. If it had not been for the Holy Ghost moving upon us even today, maybe some of you would have had a worse Monday or a worse Tuesday or worse Wednesday, but because of the wind still blowing, there's a wind that refreshes us. And when you come in here tired, or you come in here and you need something from God, His Holy Ghost will move and will refresh you and will vitalize you and will strengthen you. And I'm grateful for the winds of Pentecost that still blow in this day. Amen. Somebody said amen. And so I'm so thankful. Every one of us in this boat of Zion headed toward heaven. We forget sometimes we're going to heaven, brothers and sisters. We're headed in a direction. Our, our sails are full with the wind of holy, holy power and he's driving us toward eternity. And if we don't remember that, we'll get complacent and we'll get interested in doing things and not reaching for people. And I want you to know that it's desperation. It's a, it's a desperate soul. It's a desire for things to change that seeks after the wind of the Holy Ghost because it is what drives the greatest parts of us. And it is so hard. It is so hard to do anything for God when you're rowing your boat by yourself. It is so difficult for you to manually power your boat. We have all kinds of power. We have power motors. We have engines. I, I had a friend of mine in, in Virginia. He had a race boat, and we would tear it down, and he would have me come over on Saturday, and he'd pay me cash to work around his house. And one of the funnest things I got to do was I got to tear apart his cigarette race boat. I mean, just this massive, powerful boat. And he said he was, he was a two-man team that raced in this boat, and it 
it would suck so much gas that they had to have boats out on the race course that would actually fill them up in the ocean while they were racing. And he said they would skip over waves at 25, even 30 feet, sometimes 50 feet clearing between waves. And he said the only way that you could handle the, the boat because it had so much power was you had to stand and use your legs as shocks for the concussion when you were hitting the waves. He said, what I would do is I would take my shoe off on my right side and I would put my foot right on top of the fuel line because I could feel how the boat was moving and I could feel what was going on. I could tell when an engine wasn't functioning at full capacity just by the feel from my toe over the fuel line. That's how awesome of a boat driver he was. But I'm not interested in talking about driving boats. I'm interested in talking about the fact that you can either choose to row your boat or have the winds of Pentecost push your boat. You can either choose to manually work yourself half to death in the church of the living God, or you can get full of the Holy Ghost and have him drive your life. Because I promised you this, it is so much easier to live under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. There is nothing like the life-giving source of that wind that blows through our life. And I promise you this, it will affect you if you get in his presence. The priests of old, when they stood in the holy holies, when they stood in the holy place, they could not even minister because the glory of God would fall in the tabernacle. It was called the Shekinah in the old language. And they said it was so thick in the room. It was like a cloud. And we can sometimes do church week in and week out. And we can be rowing this boat as hard as we can. But I challenge you today as the pastor of this church and as the anointed vessel to preach this gospel right now that if you would dedicate yourself to be full of the Holy Ghost, I promise you not only will it help you, but it will give you a helping hand in everything you do. It will help you. Your days will not be dogged trying to just get through and slug through life. Some of you are so strong-willed. You just keep throwing punches when other things punch you. And you just keep on fighting that wind and that current. And I promise you this, and I do a lot of promising apparently in this sermon, especially. <laughs> I promise you this, that whenever you hoist your sails in your boat of life, that you will be directed and you will have a refreshing from the winds that lead us. A sail is nothing more than a giant wing, really. The dynamics and, the, and the, the aerodynamics of a sail is just like a wing on a plane. It disperses air around it. And if the edge is too jagged and if it's, too, too, um, if it's not flowing, the air will not follow the track in order for you to get the push on um, your life. And so what I'm really trying to say is there is a very special place that you find whenever you begin to walk with God that humility brings you to. Because humility allows you to bend your will and your way to the wind of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't do that, the Holy Spirit will not have full function and have full capability to push you 
the direction that God wants you to go. But if you look at it, the, the, the contour of a wing is slow because that's how the air moves. Air will follow a contour. And it's the same with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost desires. In fact, the Bible says that God resists the proud. Amen? And so that if we humble ourselves under the hand of God, he will guide us and he will direct us. There's a lot of cool things that happen in the scripture and I don't nearly have enough time to deal with all of the aspects. I probably should have made this a two-sermon deal. But in Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the winds of doctrine. And in the charismatic world or the church world, there's always winds of doctrine because man is constantly trying to create their way to God. Religion itself is man-made. We know that, right? Shake your hand. Shake your head if you know that's correct. Religion is man-made. We've always made something so that we could reach for God. But God has also designed in the scriptures through breathing the scriptures... How many know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof and doctrine and correction and righteousness? How many know that? So even though man wrote the scriptures, they were moved on by the wind, the Holy Ghost of God. And the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God or breathed of God, by the wind of God it was given. So the best way to handle the winds of this world is to take what was breathed out of God's mouth, through men's pen, and use that to guide you through the winds of life. Someone said amen? So it's important that we understand the word has to be sought. You can't just open it once a week and think that you're going to understand and be able to have good uh, um, uh, processing capability. You literally have to interact with what God breathed. You have to interact with the inspired word of God. And it's great that God gave us his Holy Spirit because that is what illuminates the word of God to us. It instructs us in righteousness. So whenever you read before you have the Holy Ghost, you may understand to a degree, but when you get the Holy Ghost, it's like a flashlight is turned on to the word of God and you, and you can see things that you didn't see before. And it becomes a living book to you. Literally, when you open it, you can read the same verse two years apart and it will say something completely different to you because of the place and the winds that are blowing on your life. I got some smiles. I know I'm getting some reference here. Somebody's got a testimony on that word. You know you've been there. You've opened it up and you've seen greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and it meant something completely different to you a year ago than it means right now. In fact, I venture to say in the congregation today that that particular particular year later, that word means more to you if you have held on to the reins of the sails of the Holy Ghost, if you have stayed on the boat of Zion headed toward heaven, if you have, regardless of the things that blew, thank you for honoring the word of God and preaching. When you clap your hands, that's what they're doing. They're saying, that's right. I like that. That's good. I appreciate that, Karen. And whenever you have stayed on the boat, because some don't stay on the boat, some get off, they take their dinghy and they, they paddle into the great unknown. <laughs> they take their map in hand and they think I have a better way and I'm going to set out, I'm going to set, they get a Columbus attitude and they head, their, head out their way. But guess what? There is no better map than this book right here. There is no better map. You cannot beat it with time. You cannot burn it in history and make it go away. You cannot 
contain it by putting Trinitarian doctrine into it through the, the writing in the 1600s. They could not keep the oneness, the power of God, the, the grace of God, the, the anointing of God from coming through his living and breathing word. And I promise you that whenever God was made flesh and dwelt among us, he became the word made flesh. And so this is just a representation of who Jesus is in us and who he is to us. And so if you ever come to me and say, Pastor, I need a word from God. Would you just give me a word from God? I really need you to talk to God for me. And I'm like, you're in a relationship with him. Talk to him yourself. Please go talk to him yourself. And if you can't talk to him yourself because you're not very good at praying, I understand. Start somewhere. Start saying some words to him. That's great. But also you have a whole book full of words from God. So please go interact with the word of God because it is a living book. And it blows and it, and it touches you and it directs you and it puts wind in your sails. Someone said amen. amen. Each one of us, I brought a boat with me. This is my favorite little boat. It's the Fregata. I almost forgot it at home. <laughs> it's the Fregata. They make all kinds of awesome pasta on this boat, apparently. This was an Italian boat, the Fragata. And they have spaghetti every night and meatballs. And no, I'm kidding. I don't know what Fregata means. It's just the name of the boat. But each one, look how many sails there are on this boat. Do you see all the sails? Well, this sail up here, that would be Nate. And this sail right here, that would be Ben. And this sail, that right there, that's Tanya. Oh, maybe we should give Tanya a little bit bigger one. She's, she's real excited all the time. And maybe we should give this one to Lindsay. And then um, the survival boats right here, yeah, that's Betty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's a survivor. <laughs> but see... There's more than just one sail on a boat. I know I'm corny. I'm sorry. <laughs> just the way it is. You got to deal with it. And, and then there's Seth, the anchor. He's always dropping anchor. <laughs> I'm kidding, bud. But you have, to, you have to realize that there's not just one sail on a boat. But the same wind has to power all of our sails. If you... If you are living your life driven by some other wind than the Holy Ghost that we are all trying to be driven by in this ship of Zion, Zion just being the place that David conquered as the second king of Israel and, and they set it up and it became Jerusalem and heaven is called the New Jerusalem, so we're all headed to the New Jerusalem. Okay, you with me? Zion, got it? Okay, Zion is like typical of a perfect place. That's Look it up, Google it, you'll find it. So Zion is... We're headed that direction, but if, if there's somebody that's on this boat that decides to turn their sail the wrong direction, being driven by a different wind, you know what it does? It affects the whole church. Because we are all moving according to the power of the Holy Ghost. Not the power of any will, any charisma, anything like that. No man, no person. It is just simply the fact that we are all in unity together by one body in one spirit, moving in one direction. And I have to tell you that it's not easy sometimes to deal with somebody who's just flapping in the wind, thinking that it's okay for me to do whatever I want to do, when really it's not, because if you're not moving us in the same direction, all given to your humility to be driven by the Holy Ghost, then we have to ask you, would you please get with the program? Would you please join the work that's being done? Amen? Because the wind is blowing us in a direction that is good for everybody on the boat. And so we can be driven by strong winds. What kind of winds could we be driven by? Winds being 
an analogy for many things. We could be driven by emotion. How many have winds of emotion blow through your life on a regular basis where you're like, ah, how do I deal with it? You deal with that by crucifying your flesh and getting under the, the flow of the Holy Ghost. It's the only way we can do it because some of us have taken on damage. Hello, somebody. Some of us would be considered damaged goods and yet we are still used because we let the Holy Ghost guide us. And sometimes those emotions can turn to words we wish we didn't say. Have you ever said something you wish you could like take back? <laughs> it like just shoots out and you're like, ha, ah, ha, ha, ha. That's never coming back. <laughs> and sometimes it's completely by accident. Have you ever done that? Completely by accident, you just say the completely wrong thing, and you're like, man, I wasn't even trying to say that. And But it's out there. Now you got to deal with it. Sometimes that can happen. So the Bible talks in James 3 about the tongue, that no one can tame it. We can tame just about anything. They have people walking around with tame tigers and tame bears, but the tongue, the Bible says, no man can tame. If that's up there, let's throw it up there. James chapter 3, verse 3 through 4 tells us a little bit about this and the fact that it can be a rudder for the ship. So we can do all kinds of things to follow the winds of the Holy Ghost. We can have ourselves full of the Holy Ghost, but there's a little thing called a rudder that's really important when it's talking about sailing. And that is, behold, we put the bits of the horse in the mouth and they that, just follow me here. We put a bit in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. In other words, they turn the whole body. Now here's a sailing reference. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven uh, of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with the very small helm, whether whosoever the, the governor listeth. In other words, there is a rudder on the back of this boat, and even though you can be powered by the winds of the Holy Ghost all through your life, if you begin to use your mouth the wrong way and you begin to let yourself just be um, relaxed and, and not be careful about the things you say, literally your mouth and the things you're saying because the tongue has the ability to create life. Did you know that? Life and death is in the tongue. You can begin to alter your direction while you think you're driven by the Holy Ghost just by the things you're saying. And so some people are in the church all their life, loving God, living for God, moving in the same direction. Everyone thinks everything's okay. The winds seem to be filled, their sails seem to be filled with the winds of the, of the power of the Holy Ghost, but yet they are allowing themselves to slowly let go of the things they're saying and the way that they're saying it, and they can begin to be driven by other things, including the things they say. I don't know if it's really necessary anymore to do that. I don't know if that's really what the word says there. I, I'm not sure if it's really important that you worship like that anymore. Or I, I'm, you hear what I'm saying? All of a sudden, the tongue can turn the boat when they were on the right direction because they could sense the Holy Spirit moving. They had their sails full, but all of a sudden, it didn't matter how strong the winds were. They're driven by fierce winds, yet the boat turns. So do you understand what I'm saying there with that analogy? Good, I'm glad, because I didn't do such a great job with that one. Let's try the next one. <laughs> I'm very critical of myself, so don't be critical of me. I do enough for both of us, okay? That's how that works out. So feeling. Sometimes your feelings can drive you. First Timothy 4.7 
says that you should train yourself. And so 1 Timothy 4, 7, can you grab that real quick for me? Fast fingers back there. But refuse profane and old wives' fables, exercising thyself rather unto godliness. In other words, refuse winds that can blow into your life. Like I've heard people say, well, my family's like that. That's how we've always been. That's how we're probably gonna always be. Guess what? Just because the wind and the direction of your family has been one way doesn't mean that you can't be born again and live according to a different way. I want you to know that. And if you don't realize that, I want to tell you that just because your family does it one way does not mean that that tradition cannot be changed for a better tradition. Yes. Oh, yeah, right. Amen? Amen? And sometimes you have to cast out tradition altogether. I know some of you are thinking, is he going to go there? <laughs> yes. Sometimes traditions can get us in places where we should not have been. Um, but there are other traditions that are good, so I'm not dissing tradition. I mean, I, I take a bath. That's a good tradition. You should take a bath regularly. That's a good tradition to have. Thank you, son, for doing that on a regular basis. So there's some things that are good. Winds can change and winds can blow, and there can be things that come into our life that are old fables and that, are, that can confuse, and we have to make sure that we are controlling the feelings that we have about things that blow through our life. And then actions, James 3, 3 13 through 15, talks a little bit about that as well. And so if you hop back to James for me, Sarah, I appreciate you jumping around a little bit today. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Go on to the next verse. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. So when you're driven by action and your feelings, there is oftentimes envies and strife and things. But then the next verse, thank you for going to 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Everyone say pure. Then peaceable gentle and easy to be entreated, easy to be approached, full of mercy and of good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit gives wisdom without asking you whether you're worthy of it or not? The Holy Spirit gives you wisdom without going down a list of all of your faults. Aren't you glad about that? I'm so grateful that whenever I come to God, he said, well, you were, you were not so good on Monday. You really kind of messed up Wednesday, so I can't give you wisdom today, but call me next week. Probably can work something out. I'm glad the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that, so your feelings, your words, your emotions, all of that can drive you as a wind, and you have to be careful that they don't take, take you off course. We have to learn how to master the wind, and wind always affects our words, amen? Yeah. Helmsman, we talked about it, has a rudder, to turn the ship. We're driven by words or a sinful heart at times that can affect our speech, which can cause sinful actions. There's a correlation between the scripture, what I showed you there. And then there's also the, the ones that learn how to master the winds that blow through our life. And it affects how they speak. Even when it all looks bad, they say faithful things. Even when it's not going right, they say things that lift up. Whatever things, now it's important that you do this not only for yourself or for others, but for yourself as well. I've heard people that are so down in the mouth on themselves. And sometimes the Lord quickens me and says, just stop talking about you and start talking about other things. Whatsoever things are pure, lovely, of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things, Correct. That is the word of God. So why don't we apply that to ourselves? If you're talking about yourselves, oh, I just get it wrong all the time. I don't do this right. I don't. Guess what? Is that thinking pure? 
Is that thinking holy? Is that thinking of good report? Is there any praise in that? Is there any virtue in that? If, if there be any of that stuff, then apply it to yourself. And if there's none of that, then stop saying. It doesn't mean that you're not recognizing that there are bad things going on. But it is important that while you speak about the facts of what's happening, you don't overlay things on top of those facts that cause you to feel and to be driven by winds that can take your emotions right out of the direction of God. So it's important that we constantly monitor the winds blowing so that our speech is right so we can live a good life. Amen? That's really important. For the winds and the fire and and the things that... The fire. I don't know how fire got that in there. (laughs) We must fill... I couldn't read my writing. We must fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit direction for life. Winds bring wisdom from heaven. We read that. How many know that you can ask God for wisdom? Good, good. James 1 and 5 says, If any lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Winds that blow must be mastered. Now, I went online and I looked for a place to learn how to sail. Have you, ever, I, you know, I, I Googled sailing. I want to learn how to sail. I sail. I want to sail. You know, I... Yeah, I'm referencing an old movie. I sailed. But um, I was trying to figure out, you know, how difficult is it to learn how to sail a boat? And no matter, and I found these places like, it's easy to sail. It's not hard at all. And then they're like, the price of learning is five to $1,000. 500 to 1000 And I'm like, if they're charging $500 for me to learn how to sail a dinghy, it's not easy. I'm sorry. That's false advertisement. (laughs) They are selling something they are not delivering. It is not easy to learn how to sail. So no matter how hard, um, no matter how difficult and how much you search, and and, and so I did, yeah, I did that. I did the search and I was looking and, and no matter how hard it was for me to find, I did find a couple places where I could go and learn how to sail a boat. But the interesting thing is the fact that there's still people offering this. There's still people offering how to sail. How many people do you know by the raise of hands that sail a boat in here? Do you know anybody that sails a boat? Wow, you guys are very advanced. Okay, we have one, two, three, four, five. We have five people that know somebody that sails a boat still. Sometimes you can have a whole room of people and no one knows anyone that knows how to sail a boat. I was hoping that was the case in here because you just ruined my analogy. So let's stand and pray. No, I'm just kidding. We'll all go home now. God will be here next week. Come back. He'll meet you here. No, actually, what I was trying to say is there's, no, there's very few people who actually sail a boat, but we have a representation here of people that know someone who does sail. But the interesting thing is that I particularly find interesting is that why would you want to sail a boat in our modern day with technology when you can right across the lake and you're done, you know? camping and you're there it's like it's it's this everybody out or it's like ding 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 we'll be there in four hours no worries sometimes I question why you'd want to sail but then I began to talk to some people my brother-in-law is one of them who just loves sailing it's like in his blood he's nautical like little nautical signs from his shirt like float through his blood he loves sailing 
And the fact that he loves sailing, he can't even, he doesn't even have a boat, but he loves sailing. And I said, well, what's the, what's the draw? And it is the natural rawness of not having to depend upon anything but what is blowing across the lake. Not depending upon anyone or anything, but taking what is already there and directing it and using it for the purpose that you are trying to do. Having somehow mastered the ability of directing the wind and using and harnessing that for a purpose is what drives them and what makes them feel it's just the it's just the raw beauty of using that wind and and I can tell you that there is nothing like someone preaching the word under the wind and the anointing of the Holy Ghost there's nothing like having a worship service under the wind and the anointing of the Holy Ghost this is just another service if we don't have the wind breathe to us the pneuma the Holy Ghost rhema of God breathe to us from this living, breathing book. If we don't have a wind in this place, we are just killing time, headed to graves because we are all dying people. Hello? Wrinkles, no matter what you do, oil of Olay yourself to death. You are still going to get wrinkles. You're still going to fall into a grave someday because we all are headed in that direction. But oh, if we could get the Holy Ghost moving in this place, the old begin to dance. They may have to use their cane, but they still feel young again. This is the only win that can make your heart feel young when you're 95. This is the only win that can make you want more of God when you're battered and bruised. This is the only place where we find God's anointing stands above everything else we do and pushes us toward him. His design is to drive us toward divinity, to drive us into his arms. And If you get off the boat too early, you cannot appreciate the storms. And I wrap up with this in Mark chapter 4. In verse 35 and 41, I hope I'm doing good for you today. I'm trying really hard to labor in the word for you today. But the winds must be mastered because we must learn to use the force pushing us to propel us closer to him, further into his arms. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it said, In the same day when the evening was come, everyone say even, it's evening time. He saith unto them, let us pass over unto this other side of the sea. I had a bunch of notes about the sea. I think I'm just going to cut them out because they're very interesting. But And when they had set away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. There were people following Jesus. He had just literally been pushed to the edge of the water at the Sea of Galilee because of the throng of people wanting to hear him preach. And so they hop into a boat and they go out a little ways out on the water, which is normal for Jesus because not only does the water amplify his voice to bounce to the congregation, but the hill around creates like an amphitheater. So it it naturally magnifies his voice like he's holding a microphone. And he begins to teach and he's tired and he says, 
Let's go to the other side. And then there's other followers of Jesus and boats behind them following them. I don't know if you knew this or not because we always hear the stories, but we don't always focus on the people that are following the boat that Jesus is in. And so there's other people that are following, but some begin to tear off and, and decide not to follow. It's not worth it to go all the way across the sea. This is the Sea of Galilee. It's changed its name. It's in a bowl. It's the second lowest uh, lake. It's actually a lake. It's not even a sea. It's the second lowest lake on the planet Earth. The next lower than that is actually the Dead Sea. Have you ever heard of the understanding of what the Dead Sea is? Everything's dead in the Dead Sea, okay? Because it's so salt-driven. But this is a clean lake. It has several different tiers, and it is um, it is literally 13 miles by eight miles. It's it's a small sea, but it's so it generates so many fish. Even in the historical records in 1889, there was a boat that went out and fished, and it caught nine and a half thousand pounds of fish, nine and a half thousand pounds of fish out of a lake. The lake is 150 feet deep, they estimate, because of the fact that it's so deep, it creates several different stratas in the water. And so there's all kinds of different things growing. It is a fresh body of water. It is the very vitality of the area. They lived off of this lake. And so Jesus said, let's get in a boat. Let's go across this lake to the other side, to Genesareth. And when they had sent away the multitudes, they took him and put him in a ship, and there were little ships following. Go to the next verse. It says, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship. How many have ever had waves of life and trauma and difficult beat into your boat? So that it was now full. Now, so it's filling up. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Jesus is sleeping. He's taking a nap in a storm. And so, and they awakened him and said unto him, Master, carest thou that we perish? Carest thou not that we perish? I want to finish with this, and I hope that I can make an impact on the situation that I'm trying to present to you. And that is, whenever we are considered the ship of Zion, when we're headed toward heaven and we're saying, you need to get on board, there is a way to live that is the good life. Step on this ship and stay on board and let the winds of the Holy Ghost power ourselves. When we're, when we're talking like that to those that are our friends and those that are around us, we have to realize that they may not appreciate the fact that we're offering saving grace to them. Have you ever been in a situation or watched someone in a situation where they're drowning in water and someone jumps in to go and help them and they have to have training or they nearly drown because the person who is drowning is flailing so much trying to get out of the pr trouble that they're in that they literally drown their savior on, in the process. They literally claw to them almost to death. So you have to get around them and get behind them so they can't like bat at you and, and, and take you down with them and get behind them and swim backwards and drag them back to the boat. Not everybody that needs saving knows how to appreciate the Savior coming after them. Hello, somebody. So when the wind of the Holy Ghost is driving us by people that are against the rocks and their lives are shipwrecked and they've been destroyed, they've had their marriages destroyed and they have children that are doing crazy, unthinkable things. While we're saying, get on the boat of the Holy, of, of Zion, go into heaven. They may not see it as a salvation moment. They may see it as something completely different. But if we continue to let the Holy Spirit talk to our spirit. We will recognize that it's worth every struggle. It's worth every time we jump in the water and drag somebody back to the boat. It's worth every time someone doesn't understand we're trying to help them be saved.
they're just flailing in their trauma and their turmoil. And they're tossed to and fro by the winds blowing in their life. But the Bible specifically talks to us very strongly here. And it, it impacts me because of what's spoken here. The peace speaker is asleep on a boat. And when they wake him, they ask the question that the entire, the entire world asks the church of the living God every single week. The church sometimes can be lulled to sleep when we have the ability to speak peace into somebody's life by the message and by the gospel in our life. But while the world shakes us trying to wake us, their question is this, and I ask it to each one of us today. Do you not care that they perish? Does it affect us to where it can shake the church out of its slumber? To where we literally see our friends and our family who have stuff crumbling in their life. Do you care that they perish? And I know it's a hard question and I can't take away the pain of losing people in this life. But what I can promise you is this, that when we have the opportunity, we need to jump in no matter how cold the water, no matter how difficult the struggle. We need to go after people when they're, when they're shipwrecked on the rocks of life. We need to reach for them no matter whether they're Understanding it or not, you see it in their eyes. When you talk to some people, just that glazed over look of just trying to get through life. Have you ever met that? Just struggling from one battle to the next, beaten, tattered sails and trying so hard. And the Holy Spirit is asking us today, do we care that they perish? Who will reach for the shipwrecked masses? Stand with me. Who will give their lives to the wisdom of the wind? So you can speak peace into someone's life. Who will set their course under the winds of Pentecost? Who will show the world that we care that they perish? See, the problem is we put all our musical instruments out on the deck. We get all of our podiums out and we have great services on this ship of Zion and, and we celebrate and we do all of these things. But sometimes we can be singing songs to Jesus while we're floating by the people that Jesus died to save. So I don't want to sing another song without a quickening in my heart for my sister for my family, for my friends. And I'm only presenting this to you because I am gripped with those that perish. I stand here today not for the saved. I stand here for those that have trouble and trauma in their life. I preach the life-giving source to those that feel like everything's dying in their life. I preach the winds of Pentecost because if we don't learn to master the winds brother Rob 
we'll never have enough peace in our lives to speak peace to somebody else's life. And that is, I pray, the struggle that the enemy can try so hard to beat us up that we're so concerned with just getting it right ourselves that we don't reach for somebody else. Now, I didn't know how this was going to end and the wind of the Holy Ghost is trying to come in right now. So, But I can tell you this. It's about His Spirit moving. It's about giving Him all our best. So no matter how hard it is to sail, there's instructions right here in this book. It's going to take you time. You're going to have to be vigilant. You're going to have to open it and systematically study it. It's not just going to come by osmosis. You can't just hope that you'll learn everything you need to learn. As a pastor, I'm still learning. I I don't have all the answers, but if I did, you probably wouldn't be here because I'd be really, really arrogant. I'd be like, well, I know which way to go. Follow me. But there's times when I turn to some of you and say, what should we do? Because I want to make sure that I'm hearing the wind correctly. Because the same Holy Ghost that filled me fills you. And if we're not all pulling together, then what are we doing? We're just trying in vain. So I ask you today, if you dim the lights, maybe you could do that for me, sis. Go bring the lights down or somebody. I want you to bow your heads with me. I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know what you've been through this week or this last year or if this has been the best year of your life or this has been just a horrible year for you. I promise you, you need this word that I have brought to this pulpit today and you're going to need to file it away somewhere because the winds are going to blow and the storms are going to come. But we have a peace speaker, amen, somebody. The waves, yeah, they can be scary at times. The waves can seem overmounting and and they can seem like they're going to overwhelm you. Waves of emotion, waves of trouble. But I want you to know that Jesus didn't focus on the waves because the wind is what created those waves. And so when he spoke to the wind, he stopped everything else that was going on and calm set over the sea. Would you let Jesus speak a calm over your life today? I don't want to move very quickly right now, but I want you just to surrender everything that you have been fighting, everything that you've held on to, everything that you have tried to sew back together with your efforts and and your desires. I wish that we could surrender it, all of us together in this house. As a unified people, would we be willing to just maybe reach a hand up to God and say, God, I've got my course set. I've set my plans out. But Lord, if you, if you decide to touch my life with your spirit, I'm willing, God, to change the direction I'm going. It's not an easy choice, I know. Some of you may not be ready for that decision right now, but I'm asking God to help you. If you would allow God to even direct your future and change your course, I promise 
you. He will give you the most fulfilling life you could ever experience from here to the grave because his word says so. He came to give us life and that more abundant. Let us master the winds today. If there's emotions you need to lay down, maybe you need to adjust a sail in your life. You know you've been driven by a desire that's not of God. Maybe you've been spending time where you shouldn't be. Maybe you're, you're driven by something that you know is not God's voice calling you. I'd ask you to come find a place to pray. If you want to do it where you're sitting, that's fine. I'm going to walk and pray with you, and I'm just going to ask God to guide you and direct you.